I guess turning to the second half of the novel, you know, post Uppsala, Scott coming back, really hitting the ground running, trying to, you know, fig- figure out this plot. You know, we, we finally get a bigger taste of the Carlton group. Yes. Reed Carlton himself. You know, we get more of Moonracer, uh, more of the troll. One thing I liked is that you can kind of tell by some of Brad's writing that Scott's the new guy and he's not immediately, even though, you know, he was, he's, he's a badass, he, he's not immediately fully ex, ex, um, accepted, you know, mm. in the sense that one read while obviously wanting to play the father role, wanting to be the mentor, still has some apprehension for some of the things that, that Scott wants to do. Keeps him out of the loop on a couple of things, the 24th floor. Mm, yes. And then also the sense that, you know, we see Scott standing up for Nicholas. Yes. And like there's, there's a brief line about like some tension between the guy who tried to make fun of Nicholas and, and Scott. And I feel like, you know, that would never have been the case in the seals in the secret service, but Scott's been a, a loner, right? For the yeah. past once he went into the OIA. And so it's, it's interesting seeing him in this new element. So what did you think about that introduction? I thought it was amazing. And it was right when it was needed because you and I were talking about where part one would end and part two would pick up. We ended up doing this as one full recording, but initially if we cut this podcast into part one and part two based on chapters, it was clear as day. Chapter 34, like Scott just flew back, landed at Dulles and he gets taken to Reston to the headquarters of the Carlton group. And it's funny because you know how I asked earlier, is this even a Scott Harvath book? I literally read chapter 33. I was like, Hmm, Luke's cool. I like the chases undercover. Scott's not been around much. Where's the troll? Where's he been? And then boom, we get a really lengthy chapter on a tour of the Carlton group. We're getting all the background. You just discussed about how he personally vouched for Nicholas uh, to be brought into the fold, and and it seems to be paying off. And we even get a toast. You know, all three of them are together. I forget what bottle they open, but they have a nice toast and a drink uh, together. I just thought it was the perfect time in the book to realize, yeah, let's let the fun begin now. You know, let's get the three amigos, let's get them going, and let's take this op, which was just really far away. And we didn't do much globe trotting. It was all in Sweden so far, Sweden right, and right. California. And now Brad's like, let's go, let's rock and roll. So yeah, I loved it. Yeah. Although it almost fell apart right before that with the economics lesson. <laughs> so as good as that was, it was kind There's of like the the standing with the, uh, the, the random Fox News journalist. Yeah, yeah. When they're at, I think they go on two dates and they're going back and forth about you're a socialist. Communism, if you call it a socialist, well, yeah. then that's good because it's my plan to make the world a better place. And she's basically having free market principles. I was just like, it's so Brad just wanting to get the point across that the free market works better than a command planned economy. I'm like, I get it. Yeah. You know, he's there's times when he just can't let something sort of like be unsaid. He's got to just, he's got to go ham in a chapter. Yes. You know, just fully ham in a chapter on a given topic. 
Yeah, you know, and sometimes it's like, oh, that's cool. You know, when it's like historically, you know, historical context, like I enjoy those. In the past two novels, we've gotten some interesting. No, I guess that was Jack Carr, but when we got a le- learning about futures and stuff. But here, we also like like got a whole economics lesson. So we got a socialism, uh, you know, world governance lesson. And I was just like, all right, I I, I understand what this guy was saying. Uh, what he wanted you you could have let like some things unsaid but you know you just go go for it bro go for it you do you so, you do you brad you you do you brad although general rule of thumb let's shy away from economics lessons in our thriller books i'm just it we've this had is, this is two now we've had in the past three months exactly we're over two in in recent reads so i mean if it's like an economic thriller imagine you take something like um the big short or, you know, all these bank collapses and you make that your plot line. Sure. You'd have sure. to have a little ex- exposition behind it, but that wasn't the plot line of either of these books. So it, you little ding right there, but yeah. What's next? So we, he comes back. We're sort of on the race to figure out, you know, what, what's going on with, with the plot. We get one of the we get the movie theaters going off, and then I guess there's uh, some information about how does he figure. Oh, this is like the troll. Like we also get a whole internet oh dump yeah. with like, and like that one was kind of cool because it was kind of talking about like the early stages of what like Pegasus is in terms of what, Alice. It's like an early Alice, and then, and then also Alice. Yeah, I was gonna say that. Like also, essentially what what uh jack has brought into his novels so you know it like that was kind of cool and how they're able to piece some things together with i guess uh what some someone blew blew himself up too early and so they think like maybe he was involved with a plot and then learning that he had contact with another guy the plane that he came in on on the manifest right were other people with another guy who used the same company to advocate for their visas and their green cards yeah and, and so that was one cool thing. This AI-based system can go through databases to connect the dots. But then there's another name who was on that on that uh, roster and who was using the same company, seems to have the same contacts, and they actually track his house. Right. That that was crazy. The fact that they could track the utility, the utility usage bills. to determine yes. that, like, oh, his water's up. Let's say it's like a single family household and only like one person or one taxpayer, whatever it may be, is registered there. Yet the utility bill increases like sixfold. And it's like, whoa, uh, what's going on there? And so that will flag it. And it's not even that. like the bill. It's like it's like daily meter readings. Like, yes. I guess I guess because nowadays I can actually go and look at my bill like daily and see how much energy I used yesterday and how much water I used yesterday. It's, it's, it's crazy. But the fact that an AI system is matching that with manifests of, you know, like a plane that was related to somebody who used the same like company 40 years ago. Exactly. Right. I think it was 15 years ago of a guy. Yeah. Who blew it was, it was, it was some large amount of time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that was called the tip system and the promise system. And there's even, so I guess back to economics for a second, Scott even says, if you knew about the movie theater bombings, he mentions Netflix. He goes, I would have taken stock out Netflix because no one's going to the movie theaters anymore. I'm like, oh, shit. What year did this novel come out in again? 2011, 
Yeah, this is 2011. I'm like, wow. Like, if you had actually listened to this novel and read and bought Netflix stock and bought Netflix, like Brad predicted that movie theaters were going to collapse. Not for the right reasons, but he predicted that movie theaters were going to collapse. Right. <laughs> so, well, I mean, when was the Aurora shooting? Remember that one at the movie theater with um, was it Batman? Yeah, Dark Knight. I think that was just after this. Dark Knight came out in 2008. So that would have been before um, this. Might have been before. Okay. Unless it was The Dark Knight Rises, which I think it. Oh, I think it was. Was that with Bane? That was with Bane. Yeah, I think yeah. it was the one with Bane, which would have been like at least a couple of years later. I think they weren't. That was in 2012. Back. You're right. You're right. It was a midnight screening of the film Dark right. Knight Rises. And this book was 2011, right? This book was 2011. Yes. Damn. And people were scared after that of going to movie theaters. There were a couple of movies that the box office slumped because of that. And people, I think the studios were actually re- reconsidering their release dates to give some time after that. Wow, that was four years between Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, like, but then we also had seen the slow, obviously COVID exacerbated that. So, yeah. No, but if you had listened to Brad, you would you would have made a lot of money. <laughs> He even says Google when Nicholas is talking about these database right. systems and sifting through information. I mean, Google was in full swing then, but I don't think Alphabet and all that was anywhere near the company. It was still a search engine, you know, sorting and filtering results based on keywords and, you know, advertisement. But I don't think it was the data kind of processing machine that it is now and machine learning that it is now. Right. So, yeah. yeah. Listened. I just said no economics in our books, but uh, let's see if you know Deadfall has any you know stock options that we should look into. You know, mentioned. Maybe we can get some Brad Thor uh, insider trading. Ultimately, you know, he's able to track these guys in the house. Literally, he like is watching the attack unfold. There's some like cool like high stakes like interplay and and. Brad even like mentions it like, do I intercept them now and run the risk that they're actually going off to lead their attack in another location, or do I, or is like is this the actual attack and I stop them? And like, he has to make that that like quick decision. And m- multiple times, Brad writes yes. that Scott didn't want to be the one to decide, and like that again gives gives some stakes to this like there there's gonna there's consequences for either picking either choice so I, I like that yeah and there was a chance where he was hoping reed carlton would make the call but reed says at one point you're the guy on the ground you're watching it unfold you give me your take what do you yeah what do you think do yeah. we call an lapd and have him shut this down or uh what's the airport security people um tsa tsa and just have him intercept him now Find a cool, like, uh, do a shift change. Like, do you think that, that that's real? Like, this fact that it has to be they can pull out some of the <laughs> sorry, but fat and overweight TSA agents with some more fit. And I just imagine, like, all of a sudden, all your TSA agents are just like ripped and fucking jacked. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then all special forces dudes come in and they're wearing the same uniforms, you know, same weapons. Yeah, and then there's even like a bunch of like plain clothes people. Like, yeah. you know, all of a sudden, there's a bunch of CrossFit people at the uh, at the airport. You know, something's going down. No, nah, dude, it has to level. be real. I think that was one of those 
details. Yeah, that. no, definitely. That's one of Brad, Brad wouldn't put that in there. If it's he wouldn't put it in there, and it just made so much sense when you read it. You're like, oh, duh, that that's a great strategy. You know, it just yeah. would make sense. Um, a little gripe, and this one hadn't come to me. So, man, for somebody who opened up with this, might be my favorite <laughs> book. I'm finding a lot. Of, I wanted to, as we read, kind of bring the score up, hoping you would join me. But now I'm like, I'm just putting holes in my own tires, which was cool. That little device, that inch prick that you you pop into a tire and it can deflate it in seconds. That yeah, and it's cool. like hollow, so let the air drive past you. Yeah, That's that was cool. cool. Or, but, hmm. Scott was watching these cars pull out of the Sarhan house. He was the guy mm-hmm. in the house with all the terrorists they were hiding. He watched the cars pull out. He even saw a bunch of them coming into LAX. He did say he had a view, good viewpoint where he intercepted the dude in his little perch. But it took somebody over the radio to call in, hey, these cars are sitting low on their suspension. I think they're rigged with explosives. Scott would have seen that in the first second he looked at these cars, unless they rigged them after leaving the house, then went and picked up the bomb kit, which I yeah, don't buy. I think, the cars I think were the talk, the, the, the talk people were tracking at least two of the cars the entire time. So somebody would have seen it earlier and they would have intercepted it. Yeah, Cause remember he even mentions that the, none of the drivers got out to help with the bags. Right. So like they, because the drivers know, don't actually know these people. Yeah, like know these people don't have to, be, you know, so. But the cars would have been no, laden I, down with the explosives already. He just got woken up, dude. And then like everything's happening. And then no, like he has to. That's not an excuse. No, not for someone with his training. Not for, not for who's got that's, it. I don't buy it. That's, that's a small nitpick. That's a small nitpick. I, I hate to say it as small as it seems. It's kind of bothering me right now. <laughs> I wish I didn't think of it. <laughs> that's funny that's funny although it leads to some very exciting action is the lax yeah. scene the the best action in the book or the most suspense I, I, in the book? i think so i was going to save it to talk about during the scorecard but yeah i think it's got to be the best action you know the the run-up to capturing him you know driving the yeah. car the wrong way popping the curb because yeah. other than that i guess it's the takedown in Uppsala, yeah, that's pretty much it in terms yeah. of action, like real action that we get. You're right. You're right. Other than like if you want to consider the attacks to be action, which I don't. So, Good point. Good point. Good point. Well, like I, I guess the LA, LAX attack when Scott's there, like that's action. But like just being in a movie theater, like in, in when the bomb goes off. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do think those are two really big action set pieces that satisfy for me, though. Sure. Yeah, yeah. The I'll opening agree. one and then this kind of almost ending one. Yeah. So while all this is happening, we're getting a little more progression with Solomon, Ralston, his father in law, or no, not his, I guess his girlfriend's father. This all culminates with him capturing this KGB operative who was charged essentially by Robert Ashford to kill Solomon. Yeah. Um, there's some cool like interrogation scenes in this in this book, both from Scott and from Ralston. This one like uh, lighting a it threatens to light a gas a gasoline coated tire on fire and called necklacing. Like that. <laughs> I hadn't never heard of that before. That was interesting. I thought Jack Hard put tires around somebody and burnt them at some point. 
Could be yeah. wrong about that. I okay. think he did though. Right. Maybe I missed it. Was it was it in Terminalist? No, I don't think it was book one. I am I could be wrong about that. It's not coming back to me. For some reason there was a book where this happened. I don't remember being called necklacing, but something very similar happened. Okay. It was okay. cool though. It was cool at Luke yeah. did it. And so we also find out that this KGB operative is a longtime friend and ally, not ally, but like informant for both the U.S. government and for Reed Carlton. So yes. interesting recall there. That's the one connection. But the second connection is what we already mentioned, the fact that this Hank McBride, friend of Scott's father, cues him in because they found out from this KGB guy that Ashford is actually a bad Tying the whole plot, and we kind of we kind of already touched on that before, but yeah. So now we're finally full circle with everything. Yeah, and I, I loved how as the LAX plot wrapped up, which to be honest, and Brad does this a lot, that scene wrapped up, and I'm thinking, cool, we just had the big action set piece, and it kind of diffused. I think one bomb went off in the terminal, and then we hear the cops are able to get the rest of the bombers and other airports, right? Denver right. and all the other ones, same thing. They were able to intercept all the bombers. I, I think very few actually went off. So I'm wondering if we're going to get like that scene where Brad wants to wrap everything up, explain what happened, recap it, and and pretty much it's done. But there's a whole nother little plot line, which while it felt a little extra, it was really, really cool. It was unfortunately rushed, and I think it was in the shadow of the LAX scene. But the fact that the troll has the color-coded map and silver was for the silver screens, and then one color was for the airport attacks... And there's still all these other attacks. So we're not in the clear yet. And everyone knew that you could have teed up the next book right there. But instead, the troll, and I thought it was an awesome revelation, realizes what else would standing be at? Yes, he's kind of a megalomaniac about domination and his view of the world. But he's also a billionaire. So there's got to be a financial aspect. And he puts together that all the dots on the map, one of the colors is in the cities with the headquarters of all 30 companies on the Dow Jones. And when the troll dropped that, basically this billionaire would have a financial interest in screwing up the world, you know, creating a new world order where he he can be the, the architect of it all. He would want to take down all the other competing firms, you know, the, the, the other multi-billion dollar companies. And when the troll figured out, I thought it was so cool. And Scott's like, nearest one would be, what, Wilmington. Let's go to the headquarters of DuPont, which I know you have a lot of familiarity with. Was a cool scene. You know, whoa, what if our building had all these support columns rigged with explosives and these guys swarm in on Apaches (laughs) and helicopters and surround and drown it and start pulling apart drywall looking for bombs. It was crazy. Yeah, no, so I, I, I used to work for DuPont and I currently work for a DuPont spinoff. So, you know, I've been in, they, they didn't mention the green room, which is like the famous restaurant, but they mentioned that there was a restaurant in the headquarters as well as I, I've stayed at, I, my first interview there was in the DuPont hotel. So I've actually stayed in that building where um, the explosives were. So that was cool. And I remember like when I read this novel in grad school, like thinking back, like, oh, I just worked there. Like that was cool. But yeah, this want to bring it back to the point that you said that you felt this was kind of rushed. I also felt like this end segment was kind of rushed. You, you could have played out because he mentions, right, that could have been a book. There's purple, you know, all these different colors and that some cities have like five different colors on like, together. You know, I, 
it was cool like, the, him figuring out that like oh if someone was stupid enough to try to like profit from an attack so he's like oh all these shell companies are shorting every single company in the dow industrial like obviously we have you know that was interesting and you know then going up finding that figuring out all right this is it they stop it and then but i guess it it's kind of slows down with the whole i knew we were going to have to wrap up with ashford yeah but in terms of like going from the lax plot to like jumping ahead to like everything is saves the day type thing you know i felt like it could have kept going and i wouldn't have mind right it it could have been a whole book i mean imagine a book where that was an action scene of the dog sniffing around and, and they kind of like they case the whole first floor and they're like, this took way too long because we need to be able to see behind walls to know, you know, where the support columns are. We have to get architecture plans. And someone's like, let's bring in the dogs. And then they realize it's on the fourth floor, which I guess would have been enough to blow the support columns, then have the weight of the building crash down and implode the whole thing. And to think that those bombs are across the country in like all these different buildings, it could have almost had like a takedown kind of feel where, right? you know, let's imagine you're in New York, which must must have a bunch of these companies, right? Or, or another city that has multiple ones. And we're racing through it to try to discover these bombs. And they're on different floors or hidden in different ways. I would have taken a whole book on that, you know, I thought. And another one was they found one of the bombs and thought it was targeting a train station. But the train station seemed a small target. Turns out the headquarters was above that train station. Right above. Yeah. So they originally thought it maybe was, you know, purple color, or whatever was transportation hubs. And he's like, but that wouldn't make sense because you should hit that big, like, main terminal over there. Why hit this small little subway station here? And it's like, boom, the troll realized it was it was under one of the headquarters of these companies. So I, I think you could have played it out damn another nitpick stop chris let's end the episode right now before my score goes down a little more (laughs) all right let's let's finish up i think the last thing we have to talk about is before we get to the scorecard is you know closure capturing capturing and closure of of robert ashford what did you think of uh the final interrogation scene of him before you even get to that i thought it was and letting him go right i understand that you know what he's given is like, but the fact that they they didn't kill him, I I was I was kind of shocked. I was a little shocked. Yeah. Mm. Damn it, Chris! I said stop it. Um, Sorry. Mitch would have kneecapped him right then and there. I, although it, it's pretty funny that they got him. You know, like a deckhand on a fishing trawler living in Alaska. Yeah, and the, the deadliest <laughs> catch, essentially. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they told him he has to take the job. That's part of the deal. I, yeah. Maybe it's not justice enough, but uh, it, even before we get there, though, what I did like about this was how Reed Carlton played him. And yeah, played him slow. He told him, like, hey, we have Mansoor. Uh, you're helping us. We're informa- information sharing. If you come on over here, you can help us interrogate him, knowing Ashford would want to come on over to whack the dude so he can't speak, right. you know, to poison right. him or whatever. So Ashford has an incentive to get there as quick as he can to make sure Mansoor doesn't talk and sing like a bird. So I thought that was a really neat uh, subterfuge by by Reed Carlton, you know, Reed being Reed. And then also really cool from Scott when he picks him up at the airport and he's asking him questions in the car. He's leading him on to see how he acts. And he was just telling him the truth. He was like, oh, yeah, we know this. We know that. We know. Like, yeah. We, and then he's trying to get those yeah. micro expressions. 
and see how Ashford responds. Yep. And then it was perfect. He gets him into the headquarters. Boom. Turns around. Was he punch him in the gut? I think. Yeah. Did you see this coming? Like that was a good line. Yeah. I, so I, I really liked the closure there. And we also get standing too. So we actually do get an assassination here where Scott gases under the door. I think it was like a fentanyl laced gas or something or something to knock out one of the guards. Oh, yeah, that was interesting. Puts like, on a gas mask. Remind, have you seen the movie Tenant? No, I want to. That's a Christopher Nolan, right? Yeah, and the, the first scene, like, they knock out an entire uh, movie, uh, opera theater uh, with, like, Damn. some nerve gas. Like, Brad telling this, you know, obviously a real story about how these Russians used it, and they used it too powerful, so they ended up killing. Was it Russians or Germans? I forget what he said. But, um. Not only did they kill the hostages, but they also not only did they kill the hostage takers, but they also killed the hostages. So right. yeah, that that nerve gas was interesting to take out standing, and the, the fact that they put a copy of the well endowed. Oh, dude! What, <laughs> what a, a great name! What a great name! What a great name! And what a good touch! I I love when he's like, "Well, the movie was called Well Endowed." I think it's a uh, it's um what's it? Hank who's like, "I you were making porn." <laughs> They go back and forth. That's another Thorism. Those little humor bits between people. Yes, exactly. exactly. One character just kind of, you know, pulling on the other ones, really ribbing them. Yeah, I love that. That was well done there. (laughs) So I I liked the sort of slow play interrogation of, of Ashford, getting him to, you know, give everything over, taking out James Standing. He was the true bad guy. And then we get this like mini coda, you know, Scott goes to this Israeli spy guy in Paris. So one of my things, you know, I have a couple questions that we can sort of end our conversation with, but this kind of ties back in with the Larry Solomon. So he mentions that his daughter died from a terrorist attack in Israel. Mm -hmm. And I was trying to think like, and you kind of mentioned it too, that we, we don't really talk about Athena Project at all you know and some of the things that are brought up in the project which i was assuming were going to be a continuation in here because it's even mentioned that right this the amalgam is involved with the what's the name of the italian guy who they capture um bianchi you said him bianchi like he and bianchi was involved with the attacks of rome we know the attacks of rome were involved with are part of this chinese this cell it's this this plot that yeah. that standing is is coming out. So when he decided, like I, I'm, I'm just ditched. obviously he never continued. He never wrote another Athena novel project again. So I don't know. It's just a case of that was one book. It's not even part of like the the Scott Harvath continuation. In, in between writing this, he decided to go a completely different route. Is James Standing the amalgam? And so I guess bringing it back to the Israeli, I was like, oh, did was, did we see an attack in Israel? No, that we stopped an attack from happening in Israel in oh no, I'm, I'm getting my books confused. We stopped an attack from happening in Israel in uh the last only the dead. Jack <laughs> Oops, Carr. Yeah, 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 yeah. What but was there anything in Israel in um Athena Project? I think that's why I'm so intrigued because I don't I didn't know what was going on where Scott meets this Israeli spy, he gives them the note. I don't. I can't think of an Israel connection besides, like you said, Solomon's daughter. I don't know. 
Yeah. Has Brad Thor, has Brad gone to Israel or has Scott done any Israeli anything? Yeah. With Ari Schoen. Right, 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 right. That's right. in Jerusalem, you know, like. True. And is there another time? No, there's another time. Oh, no, you're right. That's Jack Carr. I'm thinking of that Mossad guy. That that was I'm Jay getting, Tracy. <laughs> I'm getting my stories like confused now, you know? Oh, so we have to like compartmentalize. He, he washes up on the shore of Tel Aviv. That's right. Yeah, that's that's, that's Jack Carr. Carr. Yeah, yeah. I can't think. Is there a Mossad kind of connection that we've seen yet in the series? I don't know. All that makes this scene really meaningful because I was bought in. I felt exactly like I did when Tracy gets shot by the sniper at Bishop's Gate, Scott's house, at the ending of, I think, Takedown that was, right? Mm -hmm. But I felt the exact same way because there was another misdirect there where the troll had left the basket of, uh, of goods or even the dog. He left the dog there as a gift to Scott as a peace offering. But then Scott's going to see that peace offering with his girlfriend with a bullet yeah. in her head. So I'm like, shit, is this really Reed Carlton? Because the Israeli guy gave him a note from Reed that said, go to this address. And when he got there, Riley was actually there. So is Riley the one who did the shooting? Did Riley or do is this? It, or is it someone else who shot the two of them? I, I don't know. We have to figure that out. The shooting came it sounded like from behind hit the door frame it sounded like and so he rolled with riley into the room to get away from a shooter behind them he even says he heard somebody coming up the stairs oh right, right he heard right, movement right. So so it's, I not assume, right. it's not Riley. i assume yeah. that's the apartment stairs no but why was riley in this apartment and why did reed if reed even sent him there yeah it was, it was i was reading this i'm like what why would Reed sanction? All right, here, Scott, you can go. I don't think he did have sex with 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 Riley, like yeah, with your your coworker. Like I sanction it now, whereas earlier he had a, he had such a problem with it. Like that just doesn't seem like the old man's kind of way. So, do you think it's actually? Do you think it's really a note from him sending him to this address, or is that a ruse? I, I have no idea. I guess we got to read the next book, which I, is uh, yeah. I don't remember. I think it it works as a cliffhanger. Blacklist. The blacklist. I'm hooked. Yeah. No, I'm I'm very much so. Can't wait. It's time, man. It's time for the scorecard. Let's do it. Let's do the scorecard. Give me your action, your plot score. What do you think? You know, we we talked it through and we kind of just said it. There's there's not a lot of action. But there's a lot of like suspense. Mm-hmm. So like, does that count? And I think because of that, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go eight. Solid eight in terms of like the action we did get. I loved, and then like you know, I guess tamed down action in terms of like suspense, the propulsion of the story as we move along. I'm giving it a solid eight. What about you, Mike? Yeah, I I think that's a justified score. I think that makes sense. I'm going to go a tad bit higher because it almost felt as if there was action through and through nonstop. You know, just that's how gripping I found the suspenseful scenes, even if it wasn't a huge set piece. And we weren't really traveling heavy and globetrotting, which we'll get to in the setting. Even though that wasn't there, the scenes that were action-packed were so good. I'm going up to a nine. I really think between LAX and Uppsala, 
perfectly crafted. So I'm going, I'm going nine. Okay. Okay. All right. What about the plot? The plot, maybe just a little lower. Cause I loved everything of chase undercover, the troll trying to figure out where the next attacks will come from. But the one thing I have to ding it on, and I love Ralston and Solomon early on, but the whole girlfriend, Ralston's girlfriend and the father who knew the Russian, the KGB, dragged a little there. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go eight and a half. Well, I'm doing the opposite. I'm, I'm only digging them like a half a point for that, like mm. little subpar section. I think that the rest is clean, crisp, solid. I love the plot of this novel. So going nine and a half. Kind of, all right, you make me want to round that up to nine, but I, I'm going to give it back on buy-in. So I'm, I'm going to go four and a half here because I'm going to give it back. Everything we came up with tonight is because we are complete radicals. You know, we we want to go into this book and talk about it for a few hours on, on a Thursday night in summer. If we weren't doing that, this is a five on buy-in. When I'm reading it. None of these little quibbles even came up at all to me just because I was so bought in. So I'm giving it a four and a half. It could very easily be a five. I'm going to go four and a half just because there were a few things that took me out of my element when I reflect and look back on it. Yeah, pretty much for you know what you said, I'm, I'm giving it also a four and a half. I think, you know, even though this whole book sounds like a right wing conspiracy theory or just a general conspiracy theory, uh, it's doesn't mean that it couldn't couldn't happen like it's 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 pretty crazy how realistic some of the things are and how you know kind of have to think about safety and learning about how we act going forward as opposed to the idea of you know some of the more fantastical stuff that brad's done like it, it, i'm fully bought into to this stuff so four and a half yep all right the villains the bad guys I like standing a lot. I liked Ashford. The 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 score is going to ride on how much you like them because I feel like the the Muslim terrorists we don't see them that much other than like the first couple chapters in Uppsala. Yeah, like Kamari. And they're Sabah. interesting. Yeah, yeah, like they're they're interesting to a, to a point, but it's really like how much you buy in to and like the character of Standing and Robert Ashford. So. Yeah, but I, I think even though they're not around a lot, we can factor in the other ones because when we're in the terrorist house in Uppsala and Chase has kind of got to defy the rules to put the signal in the window, he's got to move the blinds so that Scott can see it on the street. But then they pick up on that, and so they recreate the blinds across the street to misdirect Scott. We might not be with them long, but the the terrorist masterminds there were were pretty good, and they got away. So they are... Right, they did. You're right. They're out They're there. I, they were smooth. I think the fact that they got away from that op and misdirected Scott and, and, and crew, I think I liked them a lot. I, I think I'm going to go, oh boy, it's a lot of halves. Let me go four and a half. I'm, I'm going <laughs> to, a lot of halves here, but I got to go four and a half because I did like them and I love that Ashford, you know, was found out here. He, he got what was coming to him. Okay. Okay. So good guys. So you were a four on bad guys? I'm a four on bad guys, okay. yes. Yeah. Good guys gotta be a five. I yeah, I mean Ralston, we mentioned Ralston, Sean Chase, Riley Turner, you know, Hank 
McBride, uh, even like that that cool uh, Pat Murphy character who who helps out Scott in in Uppsala. Like those little characters that have nuance, they're intriguing. Yeah, it's a five for these. I agree. Yeah, I forgot about Murphy too. Who when when his team is lost, like oof, that that hit hard. Um, And Scott was flying home thinking about it the whole time. Yeah, love those guys. I love the B level characters and the C level characters, with a few exceptions with with Ralston's girlfriend and all that. But I think Ralston's good enough to give it that five. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I liked him a lot. So not to mention Reed and Nicholas, but yeah, right, exactly. Our traveling heavy. The setting we didn't really get into it. What were our our main locations here that we were really at? He was traveling a little less heavy, wouldn't you say? A little, little light this time. Yeah. We have uh, Sweden. I guess he goes to LA eventually. We're in LA for a period of time. Uh, he's in Reston. One of the terrorists goes to Iceland. So, like, we see a scene in Iceland. We see the bombing in Iowa. Oh, the movie theater. In Southern California. Not Solomon, but Ralston goes to the Maui Desert. Scott flies back. Back to Reston, goes up to Wilmington, Wilmington back right. to Reston. You know, it's, we're in Wilmington, we're in Reston, Uppsala, or Wilmington for Scott, well, and he goes to LA, four locations, and then like, it's like tracking kind of where Solomon is, as well as like some of the other side characters. But yeah, it's like not, not what we're normally used to for, for Scott Harvath novel. And also, I just didn't feel... The the lack of description of yeah. where the different places were, I'm 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 digging it here, so I'm going to. I'm gonna go three. I, I'm glad we're not traveling as heavy. We're traveling a little lighter, but the ones we did stay in didn't have that immersiveness. I, you know, I maybe LAX and on the freeways and the highways doing the SDR and and all these different bombers trying to throw people off their tail, but I wasn't really tracking it like. Vince Flynn used to tell us made a left turn at, off Wisconsin Avenue onto 34th right. street, went right. past the blue house on the corner, Victorian house on the corner, you know, drove around the school that's been there since 1920. I don't need that level of detail, but I didn't get much of anything here. So I got to, yeah, I'm with you. I'm not going to go to a two, but I'm going to go three out of five because the LA house, the Solomon house or wherever, wherever his mansion was in Hollywood was pretty cool. There was a beach scene which was kind of neat when Ralston was talking to the girlfriend's sister again, not fully taken there, but just a, a taste of it. Three out of five. Okay. Okay. You want to do cover or your winner, your free space. Let's give it the, the free space. Let's go with that five. I, I said it before. I'll just repeat. It's the B and the C level characters. I think the universe was really expanded here. It felt really wide. Oh, Hank McBride being bought in and then having the connection to Scott's father. The universe felt very interconnected, very expansive, very deep in terms of characters. And yet each one was still very independent. So they're all connected, but they each have their own stories, histories and backstory. I thought the character profiling was just even the vignettes, the the cop with his family in the movie theater, the woman in the airport. Everything about characters and backgrounds was so perfectly done. Five out of five characters. Yeah, I said it kind of at the top. It's mine is giving things, giving the story stakes by, you know, really executing the plot and not being afraid to go for it in in certain areas. The fact that Scott doesn't doesn't save everything 
in in the end he you know sort of scrapes by the it barely to salvage whatever's left over because this and we'll see you know we know how much these authors like to move on quickly from a major traumatic event but this should be like a on par with you know referencing 9-11 going forward in, right. in his novels you know right. so the stakes yeah giving giving something stakes giving it meaning uh, that's that's kind of my free space yeah i agree i agree i like when that happens the attack happened and we got to deal with the fallout of it yeah cover time let's judge this cover by the book uh, chris why don't you take us through this pantheon of covers here because there are some highest of highs and there's a couple of lows as well i was gonna say is is the cover the worst part about this novel Dude, which cover? You better qualify that. So, all right. We have two, B and C, which both have London as a representation. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Robert Ashford is in London, yeah. technically. So, one of our major villains like, is from London. But to me... That doesn't scream novel, like like the, the heart of this novel. What does, though, and I think is my favorite novel, favorite cover, is cover D. D, the airport. The airport. Yeah. Like getting that right there. You know, yes. if you had put, I don't know what Uppsala looks like, but if you had like picked even like a, a Swedish landmark and put it on C. Yeah. Or put the Dulles Airport, you know, like that, that could have covered like two things, like this yeah. idea of like airports as well as like where where Scott is, or put LAX, or I don't, I don't know, put an airplane. That has more to do than than London. The OG, the A cover is interesting, you know, a full full face on spec ops. I guess that's supposed to like get this idea of going. Full black, Going full you know, black, yeah. You're, you're you're fully immersed, so it's interesting. Not not my favorite, but not the worst, dude. Sure. I gotta say, I'm a little disappointed here because no, 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 no. Your analysis was spot on. Cover A from a design perspective is one of my all time favorite book covers. Oh, it's cool. It's really cool. I, I, absolutely love it it's just so unfortunate that we have to judge the cover by the book because i can't give it full props I, it makes me think of something on fire you know burning right right it, it makes me think of like a team fully kitted out you know carrying heavy weapons going through either a countryside or maybe a, a field of some sort because it's is Scott ever like fully suited up? No. He like at one point he just grabs his his breastplate and gun like that's it. So he's never like fully like dressed to the hill. I I think it's so disappointing. And the tight the cover with black at the bottom in black. I think everything about it is a perfect color, except it misses the mark of describing this book. And I, I'm just I'm disappointed by that. The same way I'm disappointed with London being on B and C. You know the, the the two main paperback versions that we have, especially C because it's newer. You know these are the new releases. Like this book has been out what a decade by the time they probably came up with this cover. Nothing in it has the London eye and and this compass rose. If that's what that is, the symbol. Like 
I get this. What is that? What is? I don't know. I, I don't get it. Th- this book had nothing to do with wayfinding or navigating or uh, being on the seas or GPS. Like, we came up, or the marketing team came up with cover C, these paperback new releases, and a symbol. Like it, th- they had to have a symbol for every book. For Athena, it worked. It was that A. For a few other books, like a biohazard thing, it worked. If that's the novel, what do these symbols have to do with anything? Yeah, for a lot of them, they I've I've seen them now, and they're they just, just made up. They don't they don't do it for me. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I'm thinking back to one of my favorite Vince Flynn novels in terms of um, covers, and it's uh, Lethal Agent. And we see the map, and we see like the you know sort of plague ink you know population of, of infection sites. Yes. What wouldn't it be cool if we had like a map of the United States, and then we actually got to see that map of like the color coding, dude. If there was a cover with Nicholas's map, perfect. Yeah, like would wouldn't that have been cool? Like what? Oh, you you see that? You're like, what are what, what are these this? dots? What are the color? What, codes? Why are these dots? Wait, what does the color mean? Yeah, wouldn't because that that yeah. doesn't give away anything. Perfect opportunity. It's a perfect opportunity. And and for the symbol, even if the symbol were some sort of legend or key with with the dots, like some sort of symbol that hints at that, instead of this random whatever it is is it a star is it a compass like it it doesn't make any sense yeah no i don't i agree that one's lost on me because i wanted to say i was pretty close to saying these are some of my favorite or this is one of my favorite covers in a and the composition of b and they just make no sense for this book it's like you didn't even read the damn book designing exactly and how many times have we said that it's so frustrating Cover D does elevate a little bit. So cover D and although I kind of like E, even though there's no, there's no like team wet work action. I do like E. E E would be cool if it applied, but uh, I think F is, is just super cool in, in the sense of that is so clearly Southern Asia. I don't know what language is that? Is it Bengali maybe or Sri Lankan? Where do you find these? It's crazy. Dude, Goodreads, man. You click Goodreads and it has a little tab saying book editions or book details and editions. And it will show you all the um, the different covers that, that have been published. Okay, this one's Meta, M-E-H-T-A Publishing House. It's definitely going to be South Asia somewhere. Let's see what language that is. Meta Publishing House. It, oh, it's India. So oh, it must okay. be Hindi. But like, it's just such like, that's a movie poster. That's a Bollywood movie poster right there. It's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. It's really cool in the cultural context. It works for the book. It's got the airplane. It it has a pretty cool figure on it. Again, I don't know where there were machine guns and all this or like an (laughs) RPG or like harpoon or something. I can't tell. But I think the... um, the composition of it is just cool for the culture in which they're trying. No, to it's, that. it's just a gun. And, and I, you're seeing like one of the parts of the letter. Oh, that's the letter from like, that character. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. I just think that's super cool. So because D and F really, really match the story because B and C absolutely don't match the story and a just looks really hella cool. I got to settle on a three and a half. I'm I'm gonna dig it more. I'm I'm giving it a two and a half. So. Oh, okay, I was trying to find the positives, but I, two and a half is fair. I'll, I'll agree with you. Damn, I had high hopes, man, because I'm looking at my scores here, and 
for the reaction when I finished this book and closed it over, I was ready to say this is going to be a 45 plus, maybe 46, maybe 47. We're going to be dabbling with, with no, the, the highs. See, Mike, yours should be, you should give plot because you actually talked about, you should give plot, your plot should be higher than that. You're going lower. You should be up near me because we both agreed on the plot. You know what? I got to give a point back to plot. I think you're right. So you're at 44, which is one of the higher ones. I, I don't think we've gone above a 45 on Red Thor, Red Thor yet. So. This perfectly says that you really enjoyed this. I thought it was a decent novel. And I think a 40, 41 score has been a pretty solid. Anything below 40, like 38 yeah, no. and below is a, is a no-go for us. Yeah. I think you're right. I had to give it back to plot. I, You know what? When we were doing that, I was a little stuck on, man, you and I just found all these little nitpicky things. No, but do. like it's just because we were having a conversation about it. I think like – exactly. In the moment, you were fully bought in. You were fully locked in. So you're 100 percent right. And if I look at that score, you're right. You, I can't give it a better score on plot than you. No, you know? you're right because I liked it a lot more than you. Yeah, and and I think a 44 makes sense. Just behind Rising Tiger, just behind the Apostle for me. About where First Commandment is, just below Takedown. I yeah, I gotta say on par with books like the Apostle. First Commandment, Rising Tiger, just behind Takedown. What I think did that's fair. Give, um, the Athena Project, you know? Uh, and Athena was a 40. That's another one I look back on fondly, though. It very easily could have been with minor changes of 42, a 43. Yeah, yeah. I think I really liked it. Just a couple of, couple of things on that plot. So, you know, this is important. Maybe an important time to bring this up. I was listening to a Ted Lasso podcast. And I was a little disappointed in the hosts. And I think this is for podcasts that do these deep dives into a series that the the hosts just absolutely adore. I was really bummed out listening to their coverage of the finale, the final episode. Like when I started listening to their podcast and watching Ted Lasso, I thought it was the best thing ever. Loved it. These guys loved it. I loved listening to them. It felt like what you and I do for thriller books. Their podcast was doing for Ted Lasso and its fans, bringing people together, riding the highs, enjoying the moment. And this season, while it hasn't been very good and they've been negative the whole time, I bared with that because a lot of their critiques were were okay and, and correct like us when we when we critique a book like very often we're trying to be aware of that but then the finale came and i don't want to say anything the finale was fucking awesome it was everything i wanted it was i was living my life watching that episode it, it was actually just at the time in my life i needed it. it was just so enjoyable it was one of the like most fun tv watching experiences i've ever had i go listen to the podcast and they just shit all over it. They like yeah. the same negativity they had all season, which was not great. And, and I have my gripes about it. They weren't able to move past that and like celebrate the good. They were just dwelling on the negativity, even into the finale, wrapping up their podcast, wrapping up the show. No more episodes. Three seasons are done. It's over. And they just went out with a whimper because they were just so negative. And I feel like I don't want to do that with the thriller books. I don't. I don't want to do that with Brad Thor and, you know, when new Mitch raps come out because we nitpick so much, I feel myself slipping into this negativity of 
you know, I'm dinging points here. I'm knocking this down there. And I think it's another reason I told myself I loved full black because I wanted to come into this with that joy, with that passion we had, you know, when we start a new series, when you read Lions of Lucerne, right? Or when you read American Assassin or Transfer Power. And I just don't want us to become a podcast of negativity, seeing how a series falls apart over time. And I'm happy to say I think Full Black is is taking us out of that. If I felt negative about the last few books, I think Full Black is this like upshoot and this trajectory for the series is now going to be launched forward. And so I was kind of disappointed as we started finding all the negative stuff throughout the pod. I, I want to get back to the, the glory days, if you will. Well, I think two things. One, the scorecard, yeah, we, we give it a scorecard, but the, we reserve the right to move it up and down on the rankings. when we do our, our, our rankings. Um, you know, there's also, there's like, yeah, our, our feelings are in the scores, but also there's just like a general like vibe. You know, maybe, maybe we should add that in the vibe check, the vibe check, you know, <laughs> what, what, what's your, what's your vibes? Um, and I think second, yeah, I've, I've noticed this too. Actually, I listen to some podcasts about movies, TV, you know, Marvel movies, you know, or, like nerd culture type stuff. And in the beginning when everything was coming out, they're like, Oh my God, this is great. So exciting. And then, you know, we've gotten in a run of like, not the greatest things, but I thought the last couple of things were entertaining. Uh, you know, I guess the alternative was like, I could watch nothing and they just, they waste their time. Like just crap. And I've, I've kind of just been, I'm done with it. I can't, I, I can't listen to yes. it. And, you know, I, I actually enjoy, I didn't listen to any, I had in the past listening to some podcasts about Ted Lasso as it was coming out. And this one, I had read some of the things and I was like, you know, I just, I enjoy the show. It makes me laugh. You know, they got a little extra sappy this season, right? but I still, I still had some laughs and it was just a fun time to be with Ted and my, my wife because we, we watched it together every right. week. So I didn't want to have anyone shit on that experience because I enjoyed that experience. And I think I've been trying to do better. I know at times we can be, we can be bitches <laughs> in terms of yeah. reading a novel. But I think there's a difference between harping on the negativity and then pointing out criticism where, when criticism critique when critiquing is needed. Because I feel like a lot of times there is just a lot of fluff in in, in this industry and like oh that was great can't wait for the next one. Right. No, I think like people come to us because like I said, we would never cover a book on here that we wouldn't recommend. Right. So you can kind of tell which novels we don't like by which ones we're not covering, which ones we're not talking about, you know? So yeah, we may give uh, a Vince Lynn like executive power. It's the worst novel in the series, but I still like it then better than some of the other crap that people have tried to got me to read <laughs> over the past couple of years. You know, point. we've in this podcast, we've been asked to read, you know, I've been asked to read more than I ever have. And like, there's some stuff out there that's just like, whew, I can't, I can't waste my time, you know? So I think, yeah, I think the, the, I guess converse is it or whatever it will be is also true in that we need to be honest because Sure. If you're not honest, then you're just like you're you're essentially marketing, right? And and I think I felt almost. Simon Tears doesn't pay me. Doesn't pay me. So <laughs> they could if they wanted to, but apparently they don't. We do get free books, though. We've gotten a few free books. So uh, as the the media, I'll take I'll take list. being on the. I recently, like I just David's been sending me like I got four novels in one week. I was like, 
this is awesome. Yeah. Three bucks. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. But I, I've also wanted to toe the line of we're not just cheerleaders for whatever sure. you know, Simon yeah. and Schuster or a publisher or whoever wants us to be. And, and I've seen that as well, especially on social media, people who are just hyping a book and I think it's to get recognized, right? I think they either want to be in an ambassador program or they want to get an arc or they want their social media presence to get something. So they'll just post, you know, best book ever type of reviews or, you know, oh, this one is amazing and it's the best in the series. And, you know, we, we don't say that very often. We, we don't do that lightly. So the same way we won't be super cheerleaders of something, we also won't be completely negative on something. But are we being mediocre then? Always trying to find this middle ground of some things were great, some things sucked. Because obviously, every book that we like and are willing to cover are going to have high moments. And it's also going to have things we can nitpick. Are we just always going to be stuck in this like mediocrity of like every book is going to be a 41 to a 43, you know, on the scorecard? Or are we going to start hitting again 48s and 49s? But I think it will. But then if that happens, we also have to hit like 28s and 29s and 31s again. It's just a balance. Would you rather just have a medium book or have highs and lows? I don't know. I think what I want is just like every once in a while, we just need that banger of like a book that's a 49 or a 48. Yeah, yeah. We've been honest when they come. I'm just trying to think back. I mean, we loved Only the Dead. We even ranked that top two or three. I think you said two and I said three in the whole Jack Carr series. We loved Rising Tiger when it came out. I don't think that was – we found its its flaws, but it was great. I'm just hoping with Code Red – for Mitrap and Deadfall for Scott Harveth. I need I need Code Red to be good. I, I need Code Red to be good. We need Code Red to be good for a lot of reasons. That's gonna be have to be a monumental one with the the shift to Don, but I also just wanna don't want to see this whole fake like it's the best one ever, just because you know you you, you kind of want to send Kyle away with some good vibes. And so I think he's earned the criticism, right? He's earned the right to be critiqued because you know, look at look at how much we honestly loved the survivor, his first book, right? So, right. Yeah. and then a whole bunch of his other ones we absolutely loved. I I'm just stuck in this weird. Pl- All right, I'll be honest. I'm nervous for Deadfall. Really? Oh, I think it's going to be good. I think it's going to be good. I, I, we love the opening passages we've got. I just think you know you got the Wagner Group in the news. You got the Russian opposition takeover. Yeah. So did you did you hear that that Kyle has to had to rewrite some of uh right. Kyle's Code Red. rewriting scenes from Code Red, and it's too late for Brad. This thing is yeah, is, Deadfall is too late. So it's less than a month away. So I'm just like, I, it's not the book making me nervous. It's not the excerpts we've seen. It's not what Brad has said about it making me nervous. It's just the context, you know, the world that was it the right time to jump into Ukraine? I hope so. Probably. I'm just nervous, man. I'm like, I'm really nervous. Are we going to have to say, Oh, this book is great. You know, what if it isn't? And what if it's better than we thought? I, I just don't know. It's like an anxiety in me about all these new releases coming the next couple of months. (laughs) I think we take them and we read them, we assess them and we be honest. I think that's all we can do. We got to be honest for the people, right? Exactly. That's all we can do. Yeah, was there any other questions you I had one I wanna I wanna bring up, but uh anything you had? No, no, no. But thank you for uh letting me get that off my chest here. Sure. Yeah, of course.
Did you find the Riley Scott love triangle thing just like, I don't know, I found it like just annoying. I don't know why. Mainly because I probably, I'd rather see Scott with um, Tracy Gretchen. Oh, Gretchen. Oh, or, man, I forgot about Gretchen. Or, or, or Tracy. Or Tracy. But yeah, yeah, I know that he's moved on from Tracy. But, and also maybe because I know where Scott's heading in his love life to a real relationship. Yeah, so it was just it was just like he, and maybe just I didn't didn't mind the fact that Brad had chose to go there. Just that there was a lot of exposition about like thinking about her and like oh, I'm just like all right, I guess I guess that would is real life. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't think I'm so into her yet. Uh, I don't know if I want to be either. Yeah, Gretchen, I liked her a lot more in terms of fitting with Scott. I'm still kind of not over the let's just cut Tracy out of the picture because Scott wants a family, but yet he has no perspective or plan and he's already in his early 40s yeah, of how yeah, that's yeah. going to come to fruition. So why give up what you got with Tracy? But we know where he's going to go. You know, we know what's to come. So it's just weird like limbo, right? It's like he's on the rebound, but is he really on the rebound? And yeah, I don't know. It's very, very strange. So eh, see what happens. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. All right, well, that's that's full black. So next time we get together, what are we covering, Mike? Well, it feels like the next book in order is a ways off because uh, we're going to cover Deadfall. We are indeed hoping to have Brad Thor on the podcast sometime in July or shortly thereafter. So with all that, it's going to be hard to get to another brad thor book we'd have to go back to what comes after full black you said it before blacklist blacklist but i don't know when we're gonna get there because we got deadfall we want to go back and cover kyle mills's fade code red will be coming out and we've got a couple of different other authors that that we want to look into so i think look forward to our coverage of deadfall on this podcast and look forward to a few different things rebooting the mitch rap podcast over the next few months and other than that, we'll be posting our reading schedule for the next few months shortly. Yeah, I also want to try to see if we can talk to Jack Carr again if he has time. So. Yeah, that'd be great. All right. We need to thank our patrons, our special operator, Sherry F., our special agents, Daryl, Kevin, George, Ben, Matt, Dawn, Peggy, Ray, Bridget, and Mark. Please subscribe, rate, and review using your favorite podcasting platform. You can find us online at Thriller Pod or on Twitter and Instagram at Thriller Podcast. And as always, to those who have fallen. <laughs>